0: what what makes this so amazing is the last time you and I spoke i want to say we were in a kitchen in irvine there was no facebook i don't i mean there was the internet but i don't think that there was even like there was, there was none of this existed what is that like for you cuz i i am
1: i am like yeah it's it's a very odd feeling yeah it's um It's so incredible, uh, you know the level of communication that's that's capable nowadays. But then again, you're you're still amazed at like the uh, the difficulty people have communicating. Um, like uh, I was going to say, I I think actually, Evan, I think didn't we speak at uh, Chain Reaction in 2009? Was that okay? You know what? Probably we for the hardcore reunion.
0: For that hardcore reunion,
1: yeah. yes, yes, yeah,
0: and weren't all the Haywire guys there? And I, um, it would be, it would be because you were there, Billy was there, wasn't Vadim there? No, but Rick,
1: Rick wasn't there. Rick, yeah, we we met for dinner previously, and then um, Rick had another uh, engagement, so he didn't go to the actual show.
0: Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. What what I think is so interesting about that show is I I heard someone doing an interview for that for that show. And I, I bring this up just because I'm a big boxing fan. Um, and they were talking about it, and they were like, oh, yeah, it was for some fighter. And they weren't, like, denigrating the fighter or, or, or anything, but I was sitting there thinking, like, oh, but this was, like, this great fighter. He fought Floyd Mayweather. He fought Oscar De La Hoya, blah, blah, blah. All had all these great fights at the Forum in the 90s. Anyway, um, I you bringing that up, you're right. So that was the last time. So then... At that point, we had flip phones. We, I mean, the iPhone wasn't in everybody's hand, nor was like a phone like no. Not everybody had a phone like 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 Smart. this. Yeah. Um, <laughs> um, I'm just so happy to be talking to you. I'm so I'm, I'm I I was talking to little Steve, and I was like, hey, um, you know, we we were just you know, you know, doing the interview and then he had mentioned how he spoke to you and blah, 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 blah. And I was like, oh man, I'd love to interview him. And then he emailed me and said, yeah, I spoke to him. He wants to do the interview. So I was like, okay, let's do it. So I've spoken to Rick. I've spoken to, um, to Billy. Um, now I'm speaking to you. I, I I gotta get him, and I will have the whole, uh, the fearsome foursome that, uh, made up, made up Haywire. Um, what I was going to say now is we start with like the typical question how did you get into hardcore because I also know that you're doing music now that isn't quote hardcore but I know that that was always music that you were interested in but how did getting into hardcore punk how did that happen for for you and where where
1: were you living what what area Okay so it's kind of a kind of a two part um history so i remember i must have been 10 or 11 and i remember watching the news and the news is they, they're having stories and they're like the the most talked about band from england the sex pistols have hit the states and they're showing like footage and i um, they show footage of the crowd and everybody in the crowd is just like you know moving their head and kind of their shoulders and just like and i was like looking at it and i was like i, I like that you know like what oh my you, gosh you immediately you know. felt that kinship to just, that audience just, just like excited about it you know and because um like being older uh kind of during the 70s it just it just seemed like you would you would go if you could find one, you would go to a record store and then like all the album covers would be like a picture of like somebody with an acoustic guitar sitting in a field up against a tree or something, you know, and you're just like, it's not even a clear photograph, you know, <laughs> like, like, uh, uh, there's gotta be, you know, something else out there. And, uh, so anyway, I, I, you know, I'm attracted to that. And, um, uh, I think probably probably the first time I kind of heard, you know, hardcore, I remember, uh, you know, I was a K-Rock listener and they had a contest um, uh, in conjunction with the adolescents and their song Amoeba. And they were like, okay, everybody draw your best Amoeba and mail it in and we'll pick a winner. And they just kept playing the song Amoeba. And I was like, oh, my gosh, this is, you know, amazing. And so that song
0: was on K-Rock?
1: Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And K-Rock actually had, they had quite an adventurous uh, uh, program manager and, and, you know, playlist. And there was a time where um, you could hear quite a few things that were very, you know, very unique. Um, you know, I remember hearing like black flag once or twice, you know, on there too. And then you would listen to the Rodney on the rock show and he introduced you to all the new music from like the surrounding areas and then some of the, the bigger like scenes and, you know, and he had, you know, a couple, you know, punk rock things in there, uh, every show, you know, along with his usual, you know, uh, other stuff garage you know girl group uh psychedelic type of stuff that he did so that was like a, a big um uh avenue uh to actually find out about other bands and then um you know i kind of I, I did like i, I mean I, I didn't have an older brother who was into it and I, I didn't necessarily have transportation to the coolest record store. So I was kind of stranded until... Um, Where were you living at this point? I was living in Santa Ana. Okay. Okay. And, um, and you know, eventually by the time I'm like in uh, high school, I found out about Music Market in Costa Mesa. You know, and you go there and the place was like bigger than your school. Oh, Yeah. And and a had everything. And so right there, you know, that was a big, um, eye opener and a big, uh, another like Avenue to get more exposure to the music. Uh, so, um, kept doing that, kept, you know, collecting, you know, records and cassettes and trying to find out about, you know, new stuff. And, um, uh, just kind of picking things up along the way, kind of almost like the classics, you know? Um, And then uh, I would say probably too, one of my biggest um, turning points with it would be um, becoming friends with Gavin. Because, you know, Gavin had his finger on the pulse
0: And Uh, did did you guys just meet at shows? Like, was it just two showgoers happened to start talking?
1: Just kind of like, uh, hanging out at South coast Plaza and, um, like, like, wow, there's a punk guy and you know, I'm kind of a punk guy and we just kind of struck up a conversation and, um, you know, and I, he, um, he had like a, a really cool, like, you know, leather jacket with a big, like minor threat. Uh, flyer painted on the back you know just amazing and stunning and you're just like wow you know and I kind of heard a minor threat and I think I heard like one or two songs or something on on a radio show Um, it was the maximum rock and roll radio show broadcast by KUCI so they one time they had like an episode and they focused on the DC area and you know you, you heard all this music and you're just like that's not like what's going on here. And oh my gosh, you know, and so, uh, him and I kind of struck up a conversation about it. And he, um, uh, completely like, it just exposed me to all this great music that he had known about for years already, you know, and this is like 1983, Mm -hmm. you know, and, and, you know, like minor threat hadn't repressed, they're two seven inches you know so the only thing out there was like the two the two seven inches you know and nobody had it and they weren't um they weren't really well known some people knew about him obviously but like he he had all that stuff and he'd make me tapes and then just check this out you know and check this out and um so he was like you know probably one of the biggest um exposures that I had to what was really going on at the time. And then did
0: that also fix your transportation problem because he had a car. Oh,
1: could you uh, guys- Oh yeah. He, he always had an ac- access to a vehicle and he would just, you know, come pick me up, you know, and, and uh, we would do shows and I started going to shows, you know, and, and that um, definitely kicked it up a notch because, you know, it was live music. And, um, you know, it's like, yeah, you hear it on the on a record and you're like, okay, yeah, that's that's nice, and oh yeah, that's exciting. And then you see it live and you're just like, oh my gosh, I have to see more of this. I have to find out more about it. I have to go see this band next week. What was you know, your first show? First show was it was in November of nineteen eighty three. I think it was like November 17th or something like that. It was at the Cafe de Grand. We, um, uh, Gavin, myself, and a couple other friends uh, who had a car uh, decided like, yeah, we're going to go up to the cafe and see MIA. And Gavin was friends with MIA. He, you know, would uh, speak with the bass player, you know, and, uh, and this was as they were... Uh, starting to get ready to record murder in a foreign place and he also um right around that time or you know he was it was decided that he would do the artwork for the album cover so he had a, a really close connection to them and we drove up to the cafe um had one of those you know very cinematic movie we're driving down the long street we're lost everybody has to use the bathroom there is no bathroom pull over is that a cop oh my gosh you know and um we eventually like make it there and it was like it was the only time i ever went to the cafe and it was it was so crazy um and not crazy but just uh, again, just, you know, kind of mind blowing. And I don't know if you ever remember, but um, in flip side, they would talk about the cafe and the problems that they were having with the neighbors. And, uh, you know, this organization doesn't like it. And it got so bad because nobody would pay money to go inside. And it got so bad that the cafe had to rent like a parking lot or a um, I think it was a parking lot across the street so everybody could go hang out there and not attract, you know, police attention. And, um, I remember like standing in line and looking over and just seeing like this parking lot full of people. And then, um, you know, going to the show, going downstairs, um, seeing a few bands. Uh, I remember that night because Don Bowles was the DJ and he played this, um, he played this band. He was really into this band called three days stubble. And in the nineties, uh, I saw three days stubble and he was the drummer for them by that time. (laughs) So I was kind of, um, kind of neat. It was just like, you know, exciting, like, Hey, wow, there's that guy you've heard about. And he's right there across the room. And, you know, and, um, and MIA were great. They were, they were incredible. And, um, they were such a good band, and they were also very important in uh, more of my, you know, access to hardcore. Just go see M.I.A. and whoever else is there is probably good too.